Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May, and today I'm doing a record from home. And this is an audience Q&A, and it's for Holly and Ashley. And so this is about how to know whether or not you can trust yourself and how to stop focusing on the expectations of others if you're in a relationship. Or if you're in, like, uh, I guess it's for anybody. So the first one is basically for a person who is perfectionistic and... um pretty hard on themselves and can't trust themselves because they know they're not always right. So that kind of sends this person into like an anxiety and fear spiral where you feel like you can't trust your gut and you question everything you do basically. So this is for somebody that is trying to figure out if they should do something or shouldn't do something and they get trapped in that kind of thought loop. Um, second-guessing everything they do. And this whole process can be really paralyzing because it makes you feel like maybe you're blind to certain things in certain situations. Like one of the examples this person gave was like another person criticized her and said, um, you're, you're being really rude and disrespectful. And then her fear was like, well, how do I know that's not true? How do I know that I'm not being that way? And aren't we supposed to take in feedback from other people? So this like deep fear that she could be doing something wrong or something hurtful or that she can't trust her core beliefs, like her actual gut is wrong. So she asks, how do I know if, the, if it's my gut talking or it's just my overactive anxiety? Um, okay, so there's a lot of layers to that question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and approach all of them. Um, so my answer would be, there are, uh, there are a lot of processes that sound like are happening for you. I think it sounds like you're in a loop of overthinking that sometimes feels like it's clouding your ability to act. So when you get stuck in that ambivalent state, like you, you can't do anything because you're like, everything could be wrong. Everything feels wrong. And in that state, you don't have a connection to your gut that's when you're trapped in your mind. And that's when you're in a fearful state, when you're like in an an emotionally triggered fearful state, you have less access to rational thought. So your, your frontal part of your brain is cut off and shut off. So nothing will feel like it's the correct answer and everything, it feels like stakes are really high. So it feels like dangerous and stressful to make any decision. So one of the things I want you to do to get closer to knowing uh, to knowing versus being trapped in that fear state, that triggered state, is step one, I want you to take a break from the issue. Just put it away. Step two, I want you to remind yourself to completely detach from the outcome. So say aloud something like, let go and let good, or let go and let God, if you're into God. And just mentally 
tell yourself, I choose to let go of the outcome of this situation. Step three, I want you to revisit it at least one full day later. So whatever it is, I know that can't happen in a lot of situations. If at all possible, delay revisiting it as long as you possibly can. And the next day, go with the first answer that you think is the right one. And then step four, whatever the outcome is, I want you to study how it made you feel, like what happened, and then decide whether or not there's something you can learn from this interaction to alter how you would choose in the future. Like, is there a lesson you can glean? Like, for example, um, let's say it's this person that feels like you're really rude and cold. So let's say you choose to ignore the person and cut off from them after debating it for, like, a day. The outcome might be now you don't have to deal with that person, but they still feel like you're rude. How do you feel about that? It's shitty, but is your life easier? Has it improved the outcome based on where it was before? Yes. Yes, my life got simpler. Do I choose to learn anything from this situation? Mm, I can't control other people or how they feel about me, and that sucks. So maybe I'll learn to, or, or I'll try to learn not to think about how people view me as much. I don't know. Regardless of what happens, if something did hurt you, that you did, like if you did something you didn't weren't proud of, then learn from that thing. Circle it. That is the gold of life's learning. Whatever you feel an ouch from, this is what you can see a new window of growth is possible from. Like it'll allow you to grow into this new area. So let's say you you shut down and you cut this person off and then it hurt them and then you actually feel like, oh, I missed out on this person. That's something you can alter in your future. So that's a you get a gift out of any difficult decision or pain you experience. Step five, um, I want you to embrace both outcomes equally. Should have put this at step four. Let's make this step four retroactively. I want you to go through the mental act of making peace with all outcomes, including the negative ones. So basically embrace whatever is going to happen and remember to mentally go through the practice of visualizing the worst possible outcome and the best possible outcome. And just will yourself, even if it doesn't feel like it's true for you, say aloud and and basically declare to yourself that it doesn't matter all that much in the scheme of my life. I choose to accept anything that comes from this. Even if it feels like it's hollow, I want you to just go through the exercise of saying, I accept any outcome that comes from this. Because honestly, in any situation, the only thing that matters is where you as a person are coming from, which in this particular case is a good place. Always remind yourself that you came from a good intention. Always. That's all that matters. And even if you've offended somebody, that's still all that matters. You can absolutely make amends and apologize, but that's separate. That has nothing to do with you on you. 
and how you feel about you, or how you guide your own decisions. For example, let's say you you give this guy that gets offended easily at your work, whatever it is. Maybe you give him a cake and he's like, I hate cake. How could you do that? My mom died from a cake. Sorry. Anyone died from a cake. But like that would be a situation where you came from a good place and that person was upset. And that is you could you could translate that into a thousand different scenarios in life. It is what it is. You can say, I'm sorry that this happened and that this hurt you, but you're you're in the right because you're coming from a good place. The end. So you can learn from experiences to be more culturally sensitive, but it's it's not about it's not a judgment on you. And truly, in the scheme of your life, each decision doesn't matter all that much. It feels like it does in the moment. It feels really stressful and overwhelming, but I want you to remember the core of your being is kind of steering the ship that is your life. And it's all about kind of course correcting based on that long arc. It's all about working on yourself, being diligent about, you know, examining yourself if you if you need to correct for whatever you're not seeing, which you're already doing. But in the individual instances, they don't mean all that much. They don't matter so much. It feels like it. Just take a little bit of the pressure off of yourself because the pressure is what makes it feel impossible. So just practice removing that as much as possible, as often as possible. And even when you do make someone upset or the outcome is not what you want, at the end of the day, you've got to honor your own instincts and let go of whether or not they are right or wrong. Because truly, if you put your best into the things you do and you try very hard, there is no such thing as wrong. Your guess is a valid one. That's what I do for myself. I decide what I will do and I let go. Immediately afterwards, I make a commitment not to judge myself if things don't go the way I want them to. So know that you will do your best and that's all you can ever do. In the time, you will begin to feel more comfortable making decisions because you'll begin to know yourself and you'll know well enough that you always put a ton of heartfelt thought into everything you do. Because when it comes to the wishes of others, you can absolutely hear what they have to say, and then you can try it on for size. You can say, like, how do I feel about that? Do I, do I want to take any notes from that? But the right and wrong answer will still come down to, first, what you feel and what you believe. And if it comes to your, you know, your closest friends and you want advice from them, that's a different thing. That I would say, like, that can really help, especially if you have strong feelings in two different directions. But that's really just to help you find out more about how you feel. But your answer will still be more correct than somebody else's. So I have some, some specific tools for you. So the first tool I have is I'm calling... Uh, make the cheese. <laughs> separating the curds from the way, kind of like separating the harm from the intent. In any situation, you cannot regret your actions if you are trying your best. You can feel sorry that they have unwanted consequences, and you can apologize, but you can't control the outcome. You can't predict the future. You cannot control what other people feel. 
And therefore, they're separate. Just treat them as separate things. So if something accidentally hurts somebody, absolutely, you can apologize and correct it. It's not about your original actions. Those actions are what they are, and they're based on the information you have at any given time. You can never know. You will never know. So I would say it is stressful, absolutely. But at the end of the day, you've got to just go with what you got and let go of whether or not that's right or wrong. If you are remorseful about how something affected somebody, I would say... um, Collect notes from other people to see if this might be something that you have to work on. If you're really concerned about, like, how people perceive you, ask 10 people, do you feel like I do this? Does this seem like me to you? See if that if there's truth to that. Because if there's not, if nobody else is saying that, then I would say there's probably um, no trace of it in you. And it's just coming from the perspective of somebody else's pain. Like, people perceive their own feelings and they like map them onto you. So the next tool I have for you is called gut reps. So I basically want you to rehearse tuning into your gut, only trying it when it comes to smaller things. And this is just so you can start to identify how it sounds versus your brain, because it's a very small, simple, resolute whisper. It's not like chaotic or worried or manic. It just is. It's like, it's often the most plain and evident or obvious answer. It's the thing that feels like the most undeniable or expected, I guess. So if you feel like things are hard or stressful, then I would say your brain is overactive and you need to take a break from the topic and basically step back. I also find that whenever I think, um, whenever I'm like either waking up in the morning, it's the first thing that comes into my mind. Or if I wake up in the middle of the night for a brief moment, it's the answer that's in my head that I don't know if that would be true for you, but that's just something to try out. I think it's just, it's basically when your conscious mind isn't muscling towards the answer, we can sense it. It's just like, it's waiting there. It's just, we have to let our thoughts or our emotions calm down and relax enough for us to see it. I also want you to write to yourself about um, where the, like, what are the most emotional needs and wants and, and fears? What are they, where are they coming from? Like, usually we have a desperate kind of grabbing sensation. And this is kind of like uh, old fear-based needs. And they feel very chaotic and they feel very dire and anxious. They're not like peaceful or resolute. So that those usually when you write them down, they, it takes away a little bit of their power. So just describing like all the fears of like, but what if I did this wrong? Or what if they hate me? And what if I mess this up? It's like all those types of things. It'll just take them a little bit out of your brain if you put them on paper. So the gut reps that I want you to do is try asking yourself um, with something really mundane uh, and testing yourself, something you're ambivalent about. Um, for example, like a party you don't want to go to, or, um, or you might want to go to, or let's say it's like a, what do you want to order for lunch? And you're just really torn. So just tune into yourself, take a break from your brain and 
try and kind of like empty your brain and ask just one question to yourself. What does my highest self truly want? So this is like kind of a meditative practice. I want you to try and listen not to your thoughts. Try and ignore your thoughts and just allow your hand to write the plainest, most obvious answer down. As though it's coming from your entire being, not from your brain. That's totally weird and experimental, I know. I don't know if it'll work, but I think it's worth a try. So the next tool I have for you is called Me List or Know Thyself. And this is a journal exercise. So when you said that your fear is you will accidentally do something wrong without knowing it, that tells me a lot about who you are as a person, which is like incredibly sensitive and conscientious. So people like you drive themselves mad with not wanting to hurt others or not wanting to misstep, not wanting to do the wrong thing. So I would say you can default trust that your heart will be in the right place, like you're trying to do good. So the tool I have for you is basically write down all of the things you try to do, like a list, all of the values you have for yourself, all of the the truest desires you aim for in your presentation of yourself, like who you want to be. And this is like a practice I do every day in my journal as well, just to remind myself of like my values for myself. And what this does is you just start kind of aligning to it. It's just like if you were to do this once a week, even I'd write them in I am statements, um, like just I am loving I am happy, I am blah, 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 blah. But this also reminds you of who you are deep down in the moments that you feel like I did it wrong, I'm a bad person, I fucked up, I can't trust myself. This just helps kind of like keep you lined up in the middle of like exactly who you are already. You just forget it sometimes. And in the moments that you feel like you fucked up, I want you to remind yourself to forgive yourself readily if things backfire, just remind yourself, I came from love. I have to let the rest go. I am a kind and loving person. I have to let the rest go. And I would say this is another part of this tool. Use that as a mantra. Come from love and let the rest go. Just if you were to live by that and only that for the rest of your life, I think you would end up in a good place. But it can't be just others. That is not a loving or healthy way to choose any action. So that would be my rule for you. Just in case you happen to be one of those people who does things often at the cost of yourself. Like believing that that is a wiser thing to do or it's okay somehow. Because to be loving to yourself is to be loving towards others. Is how you create a love that you can give to others boundlessly. But it has to begin with you. So if you came from a good place, let go of the process of hurt afterwards. The next tool I have for you is called keep the lessons in the classroom. So this basically means you can attend to learning lessons separately, like in the classroom. So just as a rule for yourself, I want you to keep any lessons you're going to learn from something, meaning when situations don't go the way you want them to, treat them as a separate entity in your life. 
like you're learning you're going to do from that situation and it's going to benefit you, but do not allow that to weigh against what you did. Keep it separate from the actual situation because whatever you do, it is what it is. A successful execution of your own best thinking at a given time. You cannot judge it in hindsight. Just let it lay in the past. What you can do is study the outcome in class and choose to take on new insights in class. And that's its own separate process. Divide the two in half. My next tool is called Back to the Future is a Great Movie. So what I mean by this is um, it's not real life. You cannot live in a set of beliefs that revolve around changing the past. That's not a helpful focus in your life. And even if you end up apologizing, if you apologize, that's fine. It's a separate transaction. It's a separate and new thing that happens in the future. It cannot be based in the past. For example, I can feel sad if I offend somebody and I can apologize. But I can also choose not to regret my original, whatever it is, conversation. Because I know I can't change the past and I wouldn't. Because at the time, I did nothing wrong. So save past for the past, future for the future. I know that's easier said than done. Hopefully that helps some somewhat. The next tool I have for you is called the jack-in-the-box. Um, and I mean like a real jack-in-the-box, not like the food. <laughs> not the restaurant. Um, because of what I'm referring to is kind of that fear state blindness. When you live in a state of anticipation that something terrible is going to happen, that could also be the result of a fear of loss. So this probably has to do with past trauma. I don't know if this is true for you, but I wanted you to journal about any feelings themselves that you have. Like, um, for example, if you have really, really intense, overwhelming anxiety that uh, you're going to lose somebody, I want you to like write about those feelings in particular. Because when you live in that state, your knee-jerk reaction is to cling. It's to feel like something is going to go away and something really, really bad is going to happen. And those feelings are very large in comparison to the situations, usually. So when you can read them, often you can identify how out of scale they are. And you can see that like they're actually not connected to the situation you're currently dealing with. Um, another way to get yourself into these journal entries is to ask two questions. I've given these multiple times before, but like the first question is, am I grasping at something? Second question is, am I fixating on something? And that is because most of the time when we have really overwhelming anxiety or we're in this like kind of paralyzed state of fear, like we're anticipating something bad, like a giant jack-in-the-box is going to pop out at us, um, that's when we can't act based on our wisest instincts. Um, I, like, for example, a lot of people have it when they are happy, when they get too comfortable. They're like, something, is, something bad's going to happen. Something terrible is about to come. So remind yourself in that moment, if you have any kind of anxiety like that, that you are not psychic. And you do not have the ability to predict the future. And things are not as dire as they feel 
or as terrifying as they feel. So in those moments that you get freaked out, remind yourself that a fear of loss is illogical. This, this feeling you're having is not tied to anything in reality, has no accurate correlation to any truth. It's merely a result of some old past stuff. And it's kind of making your body cling and clench at the idea of being hurt or losing something again. Remind yourself that you're only in today, right now. And in this state, you can help yourself and you're helping yourself right now and just go through the motions of self-care. So all of these tools are, are aimed at slowing down the thought processes so they don't drive you, like individualizing each step so that all of these feelings don't blur together like an overwhelming cloud. Literally so much of self-help is just about pulling out a journal and a pen and like taking steps to really just slow down your emotions and capture them so they don't get away with you. And when you can slow them down and separate them, they become way more manageable and more simplified and less potent and chaotic. And you can also see what's really beneath them, which is is usually a, a lot softer. It can actually be released and not taken so seriously. Because they are what they are. They're just feelings and they're like lips in our bodies that can be relaxed and let go of. Okay, my next tool is called Human Algebra or the Methagorean Theorem. And if you do math, you're going to cringe at this one because it actually has nothing to do with real math. <laughs> Or the terms I just mentioned. Um, okay, so Holly, you mentioned a story about the really aggressive, angry person who said you offended him because you were being disrespectful. And your question was, how do I know if I'm being disrespectful um, and just I don't realize it? So this is a tool to help you in those situations moving forward. So take a sheet of paper, write down um, on the left half, on the top of that, half you're going to write me and then on that side you're going to write everything you objectively know about yourself so everything like I am anxious timid uh, avoid conflict afraid overly concerned overly sensitive whatever it is that you want to describe um, then on the right half you're going to write at the top this other person and then you're going to write everything you know about that dude. And in the middle, you're going to write plus. If anything, you could even add a squared. So it's me squared plus he squared equals outcome squared to make it more like the Pythagorean theorem. Anyway, you're going to write, you're going to look at those two lists and you're going to actually put an equal sign and you're going to say, you're going to write the outcome that you're afraid of, or that this person said, for example, that you're being disrespectful. And you're going to look at those two lists, those descriptive lists, and see if that can be an actual outcome of those two things. Like, is it is it logical to you that somebody that's anxious, avoids conflict, is overly concerned, plus a person that's quick-tempered, angry, judgmental, um quick to yell equals you are being dismissive? No. Like, if you look at those two things in that format, you can see that the there's something not adding up. If anything, you could more plainly recognize 
that the the actual outcome is likely coming from the quick-tempered defensive person projecting onto you because people who are very um who feel like they're attacked or feel feel really shitty inside. They feel like everyone's against them because they feel really low and therefore they'll perceive you who's really quiet and withdrawn as oh it's cuz you you don't like me cuz you think you're better than me. So it's like you can really plainly see that narrative when you can recognize the traits that guide them. So the sum is not that you are a judgmental person. The sum is that you are being perceived as um, something based on his feelings about himself, which is people don't like me. People think I'm an idiot because I think I'm an idiot. And I'm uh, a very, I'm full of anger. That's like part of what he sees in you. So in other words, not your problem. You did the right thing by avoiding him. Continue to avoid him. Um, The next tool is just a mantra. And this is an easy no-brainer, but I thought I should mention it. I use it all the time. It's not about me. So this is like a golden rule of thumb. I just want you to apply this to any situation you are in moving forward as often as possible. Because it will guide you to the correct response. So let what others think and feel be nothing to do with you or your actions. And know that that's true. Because honestly, like, if you were to meet my grandma who's no longer with us, she would be, she would just smile and she would just listen to you. And no matter what you said to her, you could not get her to be mean to you if you tried. If anything, she would like, be like, I'm sorry, love, I've got to go. If she, if you're really being a bitch, but like that is not in her body. She cannot do that. Versus this other person that you were talking about. If you were to buy him flowers, he might be like, oh, right, I get it, because you think I'm a woman. I'm women-like flowers. Oh, you think I... D-? I don't know what he would say, but, like, that, you know, you can't control how other people feel, and what you see is totally different than what someone else sees in any individual act. And that's the same reason you cannot listen to the judgment of others based as a way to guide yourself in your own actions it's always got to come from you and yes even though you're still working on figuring out what you think and feel because there's a lot of conflicting feelings right now let that be a project for you to deal with on its own the solution is to not always consult others to guide your actions it's just to really continue with doing what you're doing which is dividing the feelings that are coming from the the scared triggered place and the feelings that are coming from the this is my truth. This is what I know is best for me place. And that it can take some time. It's it's a in many ways a lifelong process, but you will get closer to it every single day. So don't ever lose hope on that process. It's like a very um it's one of the greatest missions you will ever have in your entire life and it'll benefit you so immensely and you will feel so gratified by it. Um having done the same growth myself. So High fives to you. And so the mantra, it's not about me. If someone's mad at you, that's their decision. You can remind yourself they are feeling something based on something they have perceived. I don't have to take it on. I don't have to shoulder guilt. And even though I'm saying that, it's still sometimes it'll be hard. So that'll happen over time. And I think you're headed in the right direction in the self-work you're doing. So give yourself time. 
the tools start to work and then all of the triggers lose their strength. So you get better at being good to yourself. You get better at being guided by your own best thinking. It just takes continuous maintenance and reminders um, to build the muscle memory. So just continue to focus inward. Focus on me, myself, and how I feel about my own actions, not how another person judges them. Which is a perfect segue into my second question. This one is for Ashley in Ireland. Okay. So this next question is about getting stuck in the expectations of others while in a romantic relationship, but it could apply to a regular relationship as well. So it's basically like, how do you stop focusing on the expectations that others have of me? I can't seem to focus on what I want and need myself. So someone that's instead living in the, or or just finds themselves living in doing what somebody else wants them to do and forgetting to be like, hey, I need this, and hey, you should be looking after me. I think that's what your question was. Um, and let me know. You Email me if I'm not getting that right. But I'm guessing you say quite often things like, I feel bad. I should blank. Like, I feel bad might be an American thing. Um, but I'm imagining you end up feeling uh, guilty a lot, or you end up anticipating what somebody else wants and then kind of sculpting your your life around that instead of just existing as your natural self and like allowing them to come to you, allowing them to do stuff for you and sculpting themselves around you. Um, And then maybe because of that, you end up in a place where you feel angry and resentful over time because you're not getting your needs met and you feel like you're neglected and it feels like it's one-sided and you end up doing everything for the other person. So right now you're being guided by the want and need of someone else to like you or to be happy like that is kind of the dominant motivator for you is like for this other person to be happy and for there to be peace and for um things to be predictable but when that's a motivator it's always you have no power because you are always in the reactive state you're not in the guiding your own life state you're always doing something based on what somebody else is thinking or feeling. So when you come from uh, this place of, of reacting, you are always, you have less control and you're lower than, like AKA you, you're always in a place of needing to earn somebody's happiness. So that is like handing over the outcome of your own feelings and your own happiness to something outside of you. So from here, you will have no idea what you actually want or no connection to it because you're so focused on this external goal of that's based around somebody else outside of you. And that's kind of just like a bad habit of focus. And it's likely one that you grew up with because maybe you were really good at reading other people or you had to read other people um, or you got really good at taking care of others um, or you were just really observant and you knew how to anticipate the wants and needs of other people really well. Which... I know that information doesn't really help um, you with this problem, but it's more to give you context for part of the reason it's likely happening. Um, So this starts with a reminder that you will not get what you want by allowing um, the external to guide you and reacting to what is outside of you. And in fact, when you are living in that the reactive state, it's like... um, you're actually 
feeling like you've already lost something. It's like a clinging. It's a diff- It's got a different texture to it. I would say it's like feels more needy and it feels more lacking and it feels like I'm not good enough or I need to do something to make someone love me. Like it, you're always kind of existing in that state. And this kind of like subconscious state of needing to not disappoint others, like wanting others to be happy is a great quality, but it needs to be kept in check because sometimes it becomes our baseline for in order to be okay, I need to be making sure constantly that these other people are happy so that they love me. So like we don't even realize it, but that's just our our regular go-to state of being. I need to do everything possible just to make sure I feel quenched and like safe in my feeling valid. You know what I mean? So all of these traits are ultimately going to be a gift and they are a gift. Like you are a gifted individual because you are a caregiver. It's not about removing that. It's more about growing, um, getting better at knowing, first of all, knowing what you want and feeling comfortable expressing that want. Like, Because that part currently, I'm guessing, feels really uncomfortable to you, like it did for me. Like, it feels really awkward and weird and stressful and not relaxing to be like, I need this and I want this and we should be about me and, like, you should be focused on giving me stuff. Like, that feels really kind of like, huh, no, 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 cool, it's cool, it's cool, never mind, never mind, no. So a lot of the time when we're doing what we, quote, should do, it's because unconsciously we are afraid that we're not going to get enough love from somebody or part of us is grasping at like a more secure feeling, like a more safe feeling as if it's like, we're not enough. So it's, um, so when we're not focusing on other people's expectations and meeting those expectations, it feels like more uncomfortable to us. Like, so in many ways, it's a way of empowering yourself and feeling very secure. It's a control mechanism. So even though it feels like it's desperate or it's like you're, you know, neglecting yourself, it's actually being motivated by something that's very empowered. You're trying to just be in control of every situation because that's where it's easier for you. It's where it feels like a lot more relaxing. So here are some tools for you um, just to start to slowly move out of this state of reaction. So the first one is called Label Maker. So I want you to start small and label things in your life as, quote, for me, and stick to it as though it's like a homework assignment for me. Let's say I'm your teacher. So this will, it'll feel very stressful and uncomfortable, but I want you to treat it just like a homework assignment. And I want you to do this daily. So one thing a day, you're going to go, that's the label maker. It's going to be for me, whatever it is. And you're going to go through the motions of doing one act, indulgent, self-loving act, and saying to yourself, this is a gift I'm giving myself. This is for me. And it won't even feel that enjoyable often. Like, you'll have to make up things that are over the top for yourself and, like, involve your your partner. So, for example... um, Let's say they're like, let's say you love horror movies and he hates horror movies. He's going to go to a horror movie for you, with you, and he's probably not going to like it. And then you're going to feel like stressed out. But it's like in your mind, you've got to say, this is for me and I'm going to do it for me. And I want you to do one thing, even if it's little, I want you to do one thing a day because of your inclinations. It might, it, it just might not be fun for a long time. 
to do these types of things for yourself. It'll feel like an exercise. Um, like I should be doing X, Y, Z instead, or this isn't even like that. I don't need this. I don't need this, but I want you to keep doing that and like treat it like maintenance. You're maintaining, uh, a tether, an emphasis and a focus on these are the things I do for myself. These are the reflections of who I am as a person. That's like what you've got to build up more of in your, just in your overall focus. The next tool is called practice coach. Just kidding. It's called practice couch as in sofa. Um, so this is kind of based off the idea that, uh, the old trope that the person that when the couple fights, so one person has to sleep on the couch when you're like at war or whatever. So I want you to try experiments where you do not do the thing you are expected to do. Basically like practice going on the couch, practice being in the doghouse and pursue something you have labeled as my truth or for me in your mind. Basically, I want you to start to embrace disappointing others and like deliberately say like, all right, I'm going to go on the couch now. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get comfortable with the couch. So like my, you know, your friend texts you like, hey, meet me out. I really want to go to happy hour. And you're like, I really don't feel like doing happy hour. This would be like a practice couch. Text back. I'm tired and I don't feel like going. Sorry. And then you'll feel like in that, in that moment, like, ah, this is awkward. I don't like disappointing other people. But you have to get good at feeling safe in that space. So I want you to just treat it like a deliberate exercise. And it's really not fun, especially if you have, like, uh, just an overly sensitive, like, kind of cringing reaction to disappointing other people. It can feel really anxiety-provoking. Like, especially, if, I'm assuming, with your partner. Like, if you do the thing, like, say what you feel. Instead of, like, making peace or whatever. Like, it can feel, like, really, really stressful. So, in that moment, if you do have a reaction like that, I want you to journal about it and describe the quality of the feeling you're having. Like, write down everything that comes up for you. Because it'll, it might be a great way to learn something about where some of these feelings come from. Like, and you'll also be able to see how big and out of scale the feelings are compared to the individual instance. So it might give you feelings like, what if I lose them? I wish I never did this. Oh my God, I regret trying this. This feels terrible. Um, this isn't worth it. Like it, like really, you know, fearful, stressful, like dire emotions might come out, um, in comparison to what the actual instance is. So the more you can practice doing this, the more you just get good at it. It sounds weird, but, like, being a person who hates conflict myself, I have to, like, actually remind myself that things are not as dire or as serious as my body tells me they are. Because in my my chemistry, it feels, like, really terrible. But to somebody else that, like, is way more adept at it, it's, like, you know, a conversation, a regular conversation. Um, another way to view this tool is just practice selfishness because honestly it's what you have to do these are kind of just building block habits that over time increase your ability to focus on yourself and your needs by nature so the next tool is called me day so this is a holiday that you are going to stage ideally once a week 
I know I already gave you the one thing a day thing, so let's say like every other week. Um, it's gonna. So this is like a holiday that forces you to think very clearly about who it is you are and what it is you can do for yourself. And I know this sounds super dorky or rom commy, but like I would actually invite your partner to join you on a me day, and like get let them get to know things about you and things that you like to do. It's really about training your focus and getting in more intimate with what it is you might want and what you enjoy, even in the face of somebody else's beliefs and their habits that you're used to accommodating. And yes, I want you to do it even when it's not fun, because often things that we do for ourselves are not fun. And it's more about the ritual act. You know what I mean? Like, for example, you might hate baby showers. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have a baby shower because in many ways that's like a marker in your life that you will I would say it's it's possible to regret not having gone through it even if you hate baby showers. Um like it's really painful to buy lots of presents for Christmas but like that is something I I would say it means more in retrospect. So it's like looking at it from far away and knowing that it's it's better for you to go through the motions, even when it feels like in the moment, I'd rather just not try. I'd rather not have to do this, that kind of thing. So in your me day, I want you to really be conscious of what you are, everything about self-care. Like, is what you're wearing making you comfortable? Get into the minutia. Like, are you hungry? Make yourself a nice lunch. Are you tired? What do you feel like doing tonight? Plan yourself a nice everything according to what you want. And eventually, you know, extend the invite to your partner. Um, and I would make it into a holiday of sorts. Just which I think it can take the pressure off these things, especially with the partner. When you like are like, this is a silly thing I want to do. So this is about deliberately habit forming. Okay, the next tool is called Need Share and Tell or The Me Show. So this might or might not be something you could do with your partner. Um, you, you know you best. Weigh, appropri- weigh it appropriately. Okay, this is super dorky, but I want you to make a list of all of your needs and your wants and just know them. Like all the little things from growing up that you know are important to you. For example, for me, that would be something like being seen and understood. Um, like trusting somebody. Feeling I can trust somebody. So just know them for yourself. And the second half of this is in a casual conversation. I want you to discuss these things with your partner and like start by asking them like what their child, if they had to name their childhood needs, what would they be? Um, And you can give them mine as an example. And so when you hear theirs, then share yours and give them context as to why. And the main reason being a good partner will want to meet your needs and it helps them just to know what they are and have context for them, like, um, in the future. So for example, like when you guys, if you guys get in a fight down the road, just you being able to say, say like, oh, this kind of triggered my like feeling like I'm not understood. Like it gives them a little bit more of a guidebook to you and they will want to meet your needs. And it helps invite them into this process so you don't have to manage it all by yourself. You might even be as bold as to say to somebody, um, 
I have trouble asking for what I want, and I feel really guilty for some reason when the focus is on me. So having this kind of conversation in like a lighthearted context, it builds intimacy and it also demonstrates confidence, ironically, because it feels really scary, but it can be, um, and it can be a lot for early on in a relationship, but if you're far into a relationship, I would consider it as an extension of building a stronger bond. And it's like a way to invite a partner into what you're working on. Um, and putting yourself in the spotlight is a way to train yourself out of the instinct to hide and ask for nothing. Because by, hi- by hiding and asking for nothing, we also maintain a safe sense of autonomy. Um, and it keeps the pressure on us low. And that is part of your motivation that you likely don't recognize. It's easier to not be the focus. It feels a lot safer. So I know for a lot of people, our needs can feel like they're inconvenient or like they're threats to the peace and harmony in the relationship. By asking for nothing, we are in a backwards way getting what we want in a kind of subconscious way. We feel like we're getting what we want, which is the sense of control. So often we'll deliberately focus on making things right for others so we don't have to feel so stressed and uncomfortable. And when we keep the focus off ourselves, um, the, having somebody focus on us is, is, creates a lot of discomfort. So um, when you feel, when you do these types of things, it's in part because you feel very vulnerable to somebody else. So practicing being vulnerable is a way to build up strength and get good at it, and get good at being, you know, comfortable asking for what you want. So if any of this sounds like it might be true for you, I recommend reading, if you haven't already, Codependent No More by Melody Beatty, and I will put a link in the show notes. And I might have mentioned this already, but I would also listen to the Lilypad episode 44, because that has um, a little bit more of what I would work on, because it has, it has to do with building up all of the lily pads that make up your definition of self. They allow you to stand more fully in yourself versus getting caught up in somebody else and what they want. So before I close, I want to say thank you to my latest sponsors. Marie, huge donation. Thank you so, so much. And thank you, Petra, also very generous donation. And Amy, thank you so much for your very generous donation. And David and Vlad and Diaz, you are all amazing, and I couldn't do this without you. It is so, so appreciated. And um, by all means, let me know if you have a topic request in the future. And if anybody else listening has the means, um, donations really help make this show happen, and um, you really make a difference. And if anybody has the time, I would really appreciate a review on iTunes or even a heart on SoundCloud or a comment or anything. So I hope this helps, and I hope it made sense, and um, don't forget to smile.